man, I love an opportunity to make a new friend. And the, uh, the gentleman that I'm speaking to in this conversation today has just become, in my opinion, a new friend. Um, Teague Parker was introduced to me by his mother, Brett. And uh, what Teague is doing with his uh, take on wellness um, through improv is so just beautiful and inspiring to me that we are looking at wellness in so many different ways now that it's, it's inspiring to just see where else wellness can take, you know? Um, so in this conversation today, Teague and I talk a lot about his, uh, improv career that he's got, uh, the production companies that he holds, the, um, improv for wellness company that he started, um, and just a lot of the, the, the reasoning and the philosophy behind what he does and why he does it. And I think, you know, a lot of what he's talking about transfers through life wholeheartedly and, and very passionately. So I'm really, uh, really inspired by this conversation. Uh, I'm very looking forward to seeing where this information that we talk about takes uh, myself um, and seeing how it continues to carry Teague and the, the passionate and the, uh, the desire and the drive that he has. So I'm uh, really excited for you to, to, to hear this conversation, and I hope you get something out of it. All right, welcome back to our show. Uh, today, sitting across from me is uh, is a new friend. Um, so this was actually my first face to face meeting with you. Uh, we've communicated a lot through uh, Instagram, social media, things like that. Um, I'm lucky enough to be a, a friend of your mother's, and uh, who's a fucking amazing woman. I hmm. adore Brett Parker so much. Had her on the podcast a few weeks back. Um, so sitting across from me today is Teague Parker. Uh, Teague is a freelance teaching artist. Uh, he is the creator of Improv for Wellness. Um, he is an improv, an actor, playwright, producer, uh, just ma many hats that this, this <laughs> gentleman wears, um, as well as the owner and founder of Come Up Productions. Um, so I am so excited to talk to Teague today. Um, one about just, I, I've been really interested in flow state recently. We were talking about this downstairs a little bit mm -hmm. and, uh, and you know, things, things come across your path in the right way, right? Mm -hmm. We were talking about that downstairs, saying yes to things and just embracing the knowledge that comes in. And so in my preparation for our interview, um, I'm reading this book called The Art of the Impossible yeah. by Stephen Coulter. And uh, the chapter I read yesterday was talking about improv, uh, improv acting, improv comedy, and flow state. <laughs> I'm like, of course it is. Right, right. Of course it is. It this always is, comes together like that. You know, it just it's like right here in front of me. It's like, hey, here's a silver platter <laughs> of shit to talk about now yeah. in your interview tomorrow. I'm like, thanks, universe. Appreciate yeah. that. It always provides. It always provides. Definitely. So, dude, thanks so much for being here, man. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm really excited. It's uh, getting to listen to some of the podcasts before. It's just, um, it's nice just to talk. It's nice just to connect and to share the wisdom that people just, have inherently mm -hmm. like people train they practice they do all this stuff but everybody has like lessons that only they can hold to yes yes yeah. and that you know uh i'll we get to this a little bit later but yeah. uh, i've been uh, em embracing this uh this concept of the word gnosis lately it's uh, oh. g-n-o-s-i-s oh. and it's this uh intrinsic knowledge that we don't know why we have it or how we got it but we just know it, you Ooh. know? And it's like Ooh. this internal deep knowing of just like this confidence of just like knowledge of self almost, right? Yeah. It's like, I know this information. Don't know how I got it. Don't know why I know it. Don't know how to explain it to you so that you can know it, but I also Ooh. don't really care Yeah. because I know it, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and so. I, think, I think the shame is that so much of like culture and society 
gets us to think we don't know it. Mm. Like it moves us away from trusting the base impulses that we have or the knowledge that we have and being like, well, I didn't study all this stuff. I didn't practice this for years. I didn't come with whatever background that Mm -hmm. people think they need to have to trust like, no, you have lessons. And if you step into it, we can expand that human spectrum of knowledge, so Uh. to speak. Amen to that, brother. Amen <laughs> to that. I, 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 I wholeheartedly agree. And it took me a while to get to the point to be, to be in a place where I can trust that. Mm. You know, can I trust that knowledge and that gnosis and that intuition? Um, you know, I've talked about this in a previous podcast, but you know, growing up in the South, um, you know, we it was a very masculine dominated area, mm. um, and uh, and it was you know it was kind of counterintuitive because as a male, we're always told to trust your gut. You know, trust your gut. Yeah. But at the same time. Uh, I was taught that intuition outside of trusting your gut, like if you had Claire's, right, the clairvoyance, clairsight, clairaudience, mm-hmm. things like that, that that was witchery kind of stuff, right? Oof. And that was like very feminine based and shouldn't be observed, shouldn't be uh, uh, looked at and should be ignored because that's shit that, that we can't explain. So we don't want to look at that, mm. you know? And so, you know, in a way we've got, we've got a lot of atrophied muscles because we haven't been practicing and working out that intuition yeah. for a lot of us, you know? And so it's kind of nice to, uh, to, to have, you know, conversational practice in that, that practice of, you know, say lifting that weight Mm -hmm. of intuition again, you know, because through conversation, if, if you're having a true conversation with a human being across from you and you're honestly letting them like flush out their full thought and you're not just tying yourself to one sentence that they might've said the first sentence in a five, five minute long diatribe, Mm -hmm. right? That first thing they said you've tied onto and now you're waiting for your spot so you can just retort, but you've lost everything that they've said after that first minute, right? So when you can have that honest conversation and let that person hold the space for that person while they're speaking, there's so much knowledge that can be gained from that space holding that we don't even realize. I think again, it's that gnosis, right? We don't even know how much knowledge our subconscious is taking in or we're consciously taking in until we stop and pay attention. Yeah. And even just letting yourself be surprised by, even if you can kind of guess like, Oh, this person's going to this idea as they're talking, you can be surprised by how they get there, how they speak on that Mm. particular thing. I, uh, the, this last year, I read the book um, The Art of Listening by mm. Julia Cameron. Okay. And um, I, used to, I used to think from because of the improv background, like I can listen so intently that I can finish someone's thought for mm. them. And so it felt to me like I was connecting with somebody by doing that, by when they go like, oh, uh, uh, I'll finish the sentence for them. Yep. But what the book helped me see was like, let someone get to their final thought first. Mm. Let somebody finish the whole thing so that you can be surprised. And even if you know what's going to come out, you can connect with the person and see that beautiful journey of how did, what did it look like for them to get there? Mm. Or were they surprised? And you get to be surprised too by like, oh, they didn't say what I thought they would say. Or they didn't get to the thing that I thought they should say it actually took to a whole different direction and just yeah. allow discovery, allow surprises to happen. I love that, man. There was a, you know, I, uh, fortunately and unfortunately, I learned that at a, at a younger age, I think in my early twenties, um, I was working at a billiards club mm. down in Seattle and, uh, there was a gentleman that used to refill the pool tables named rich. 
amazing gentleman. He was probably in his seventies when I met him first. Um, he was an old pool pro, you know, he's just oh, like wow. you know, trick shots, all this stuff. But I never <laughs> had a conversation with him. I just always watched him play and refelt the tables. And, uh, and so I saw him in there one day and I went over to chat with him, just, you know, shooting the shit. We were slow. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that's when I realized he had a stutter and it was a pretty, pretty strong stutter. And, um, and again, I was like 23, 24 at the time. So I was pretty young in my, my knowledge of base. And, and, uh, in my first conversation with him, I can't remember what he was trying to say, but he got to a point to where he was stuttering and mm. I knew what he was trying to say. He was trying to say table. We were talking about pool tables. Yeah. And so while he was stuttering through the word table, I finished the, the word for him. Mm-hmm. I was like, Oh, table. I got it. And he looked at me like, motherfucker, mm. that's my word to say. Mm. I know what I'm saying. Let me get it out. He didn't even have to say it. Just the look he gave me was like, got it. Understood. I'm so sorry. Yeah. I did not mean to offend you. And from that moment on, like I try very, very consciously to do exactly what you just said. Try to let that person finish their sentence, finish their thought process. Because mm-hmm. yeah, again, like I might have an understanding of where they feel like they're going, yeah. but the, the surprise is so beautiful. Yeah. It's like, I thought you were going to say table, but you said trunk. You're, you're like, right, oh, right. you're refelting a trunk? What uh, the hell is that? Whoa, <laughs> wait a minute. No oh, idea. gosh. <laughs> and like just the beauty of like someone someone like that stepping into their power in that moment where it could be the social conditioning of like, oh, they finished my word and like, I don't like that, but whatever, I'm just meeting them, let's be polite. But mm-hmm. to be like, no, I don't like that. I'm yeah. going to put up this boundary now so it doesn't happen again and no hard feelings. It's just mm-hmm. we hit the boundary sooner than we may have expected. Exactly. And and to be, you know, to be completely frank, Rich and I had a beautiful relationship for another mm. like five years after that while I was still at Jill's. And uh, it's just a beautiful human being. And I hope, gosh, I, I hope he's still alive. He was pretty old whenever I knew him back then. But, mm. uh, but man, beautiful human being. Yeah. Love that guy. And, you know, it's those, those – lessons that we never knew that we needed to be taught until Mm. we learned them right i didn't know i was offending and i can't tell you how many people i probably offended on the way finishing sentences you know yeah and it's you know like uh, we can't beat ourselves up for knowledge we didn't previously have yep so i can't look back at my life and be like oh my gosh this person that person you know it's just hey from here going forward this is my responsibility to, to own up to that conscious effort and that understanding that i have yeah and to hold that space for people just to finish their thoughts. Yeah. And to get to reflect on like, oh, wow, I used to do that. I, I've grown from that. Or, oh, I understand why I did it back then. Like mm-hmm. there, there's a lot of things that I had growing up because I grew up pretty, I, I don't want to say shy. I just didn't know what to say. Okay. I, I just didn't know what to say to people all the time. I remember, I remember a, being a little kid going to a therapy appointment, just being like, the, the therapist was trying to help me learn how to talk to people. He's like, huh? well, I, and right now it, it astounds me that this happened. He's like, let's do, let's do a role play. Let's do an improv. All right. And he was like, <laughs> uh, I'm going to sit at this table and I'm going to be eating my food at lunch. Uh-huh. And uh, you just come in and you just talk to me. And I, in my head, I'm like, okay, I'm like 10 or something like that. And I've never done arts at that point. Okay. And so I'm just like, okay. And so he just starts acting like he's eating a sandwich and I'm there and I go like, hi. He was like, hello. And he keeps eating the sandwich and go like, how are you doing? He was like, I'm doing good. And it, and I just remember it was so stressful at that moment. It was probably like 10 to 30 seconds of silence, but it felt like five minutes to me. (laughs) <laughs> where I was like, I wish I knew what to say. Uh-huh. I, I wish I knew how to follow up. I wish I knew what do you do in this moment. But it just kept on going like that. Mm. And 
you know, we talked about stuff after that, I'm sure, but that's what I remember from that moment and wanting to discover and find the ways to like, how do I interact with people? Cause I want to connect with right. people. Yeah. I want to build those relationships, but my mind just goes blank with mm. what do I have to share? I, I think we, we lose, um, kind of like our ideas of our self-worth when we're communicating with other people early on of like, I don't know what makes me worthy. And if I talk yeah. about something, I don't know if you'll like that. And just mm -hmm. all these self-conscious thoughts that get in the way yeah. and stop you from trusting like whatever you say is what you say. Right. And whatever you learn from reflecting on these moments and such, you can take that in these times now, like reflecting on like, oh, if you used to finish people's sentences and stuff like that. Right. We can carry that forward and say, oh, I'm, I appreciate that about my old self. Mm. I love that about my old self that I didn't know how to do that. And now I do. There's this whole journey in between. Yeah. But man. we have to honor those parts of ourselves. Yes, we do. Because you don't know what you're doing wrong until, until you know. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And, you know, I, I, it's, I, I've, I talk a lot about, um, you know, the, the rites of passages that we used to have, right. Mm. Whether it's like tribal rites of passages where, you know, you heard hit a certain age and then you, you know, have, you know, like a lot of tribes, you know, you would say have vision quests, mm. right. You go out into the desert for two weeks, you have water and you live off the land and then you come back with these messages and, you know, from the gods and things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, some involve like plant medicines, whatever it was, but you know, I, you know, modernizing what these, these rites of passages might be now. Right. Mm. But, you know, I think one of the things that we miss a lot on, especially now in our digital age is the art of conversation. Yeah. And so to hear you going through that kind of conversational therapy at a young age, that's mm -hmm. so beautiful for me to hear because, um, one, like, yes, you're learning how to conversate, but I think the, the underlying message too might be that, feeling what it feels like to not have a reciprocal conversation. Mm, like not yeah. like when you ask somebody a question, having them just say yes or no, but not giving you a leading answer mm -hmm. so that they can continue the conversation or you could. Right. Yep. Because, you know, I, I find that a lot with my kids, right? Oh, like with sure. my kids, you know, they're sitting down, Hey, what you doing? You doing homework? All they can say is yes or no, right? There's no really a continuation of the conversation. So they say yes, and they go back to doing their thing. And then I'm like, well, okay, what are you doing, right? Mm -hmm. And then I get that tone to my voice, and then they get their tone and be like, I'm fucking doing my math, right? You know? So, you know, having that that trained conversational, you know, uh, understanding of, okay, so I'm going to ask you a question. And even if you don't answer it in a leading way, I can now retort in a leading way to lead that answer back into you questioning something that I'm doing. And then mm -hmm. we can have a conversation. Yeah. Like we don't have a lot of that. Now we send texts and we put our phone down mm -hmm. or we send an email and then we put our phone down, make some fucking stupid video and put our phone down. Right. right. You know, that, that real time active conversation, unless you're in like a debate class or you're an active participant in like in your classroom settings, mm -hmm. there's not a lot of good opportunities for real time conversations to happen. Yeah. You know? So I, I love that, you know, that was something that, that you experienced at a young age. Yeah. And, and I think there's not as many opportunities and I don't think people grow up knowing that everyone's terrified. You know, like everybody, especially in elementary school, middle school, high school, they're really afraid of how to socialize, right. of how to get into a group, of how to make friends. And so somebody that's doing it 
quote unquote well Hmm. looks like they're thriving to everyone else when they're just as terrified. They may not be an actually good communicator. It just so happened that the way that they spoke connected with other people. Hmm. So then you talk with those people and they don't retort back with you and you're like, well, I'm going to learn how to ask more questions. I'm going to learn how to yes and anybody's (laughs) statements and things like that. But if no one gives you anything, there's only so much you can do and you can walk away going like, oh, okay, they, they're on their journey and I'm looking for people that may be on a certain step alongside me in Mm. the journey. But when you grow up, you don't know any of that stuff. Right. (laughs) You just assume like, oh, I'm bad at it. Right. I'm the one that can't do it. (laughs) And it's, it's funny how, not funny, it's, it's actually really sad how Mm. long we hold on to that story of of ourselves and that, that, and and I would say 90% of the stories we tell ourselves are completely false. Mm-hmm. They're, they're grandized. They're, they're demonstrative. They're just so uh, negatory at times. Mm. Uh, but we don't even realize how, how ingrained we are in that story until like, you know, as, as a, as a Reiki practitioner, you know, I have a lot of clients that come through that, that have that similar, okay, what's going on? What's your intention? And they mm. start going through these litany of things that as they're talking about it, you can tell that these are not, I, I know these people, right? Now mm-hmm. I've worked with them a few times. Like I know these people and I know that that is not who they are, but that's who they believe they are. Whether they've been told mm. that or they've experienced that in their past, but that groove of that story inside their brain is so deep that they can't change the record to a different groove, yeah. right? That needle is so deep in there yeah. that you got to sometimes like, that's why I love sound healing and energy healing because you can shake that that needle out and you can change the groove of that record into a new track mm. and say, you're right writing your new story now, right? That old story is there. You got to not pay attention to that anymore. Let's drive this new story in the story of self-worth, the story of understanding of my emotions are okay to embrace. Mm -hmm. I'm a vulnerable human being that is going to be upset. is going to be happy. is going to be sad. And all those emotions are beautiful to embrace, Mm -hmm. right? When we start to like push away emotions, that's when that needle, that groove gets deeper Yeah, because it's like, no, 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 we're not done with this yet. We're going to stay in here. (laughs) Yeah. Deal with that shit. You know, and then change that, you know? So yeah, I, 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 it's a, it's, it's a commutative struggle right now, I believe. I completely agree. And, you know, I, I love the image of the groove getting stuck. Right. And in a lot of my work with the improv for wellness, there's a lot of the, the terms that I've learned through things like, uh, Julia Cameron and Twyla Tharp, who's a ballet dancer that um, wrote the book, The Creative Habit and stuff. Mm, A lot of them talk about um, reclaiming your identity. There's nothing to, there's no new thing to create. There's only something to reclaim. There's Mm. something that was yours that somebody manipulated or it just got off course to be like uh, telling a story, like you said, that isn't your true story. Yeah. So with some of the work that I hope to do, right, or that I try to do is like showing people if you get back to your base impulses, it'll teach you who you are. Mm. And you don't have to figure out like what what am I trying to be? What is all these pieces that I'm trying to piece together? It's like, well, just look at what's there. Mm. And if we don't judge it, we can say like, oh, this is what comes up naturally for me. And I wish that, you know, maybe I read more or maybe I drew more or something like that. But now we have the foundation so that we can include those parts on top of it mm. rather than being like, oh, like, I I don't know. I, I don't like this part about myself that is my nature. 
let's learn to be like, well, let's just love it because your body can't tell the difference of what is okay in its truth and what is not. But if we take the time to be like, separate that, say everything's worthy, mm. we don't even have to worry about it anymore. That is, I, I, I love that so much. I, um, personally, my journey, uh, mm-hmm. so I've, I've gone from a corporate life to a more, um, I don't know, we'll call it freedom life, but, mm. uh, but non-corporatized, you know, just, totally. to, you know, working for myself, you know, yeah. <clears throat> and, uh, in corporate Adam held a lot of skills, right? Corporate Adam raised a family, corporate Adam, you know, made enough money to, uh, to buy a house, all these things, right? Corporate Adam was a very structured human being, but mm-hmm. unhappy at the same time. So as I started to shift into, um, you know, this new mentality that I'm trying to embrace, mm-hmm. At first, I was just like, get get out of here, corporate Adam. Here's a big mm-hmm. foot to the ass. I don't want mm-hmm. you anymore. None, none of your skills, none of your mentalities. Get the F away from me. And in, he wasn't going anywhere. He was mm-hmm. like, nah, every time like every time I tried to push him away, he would come pleading back and be like, no, this is why you need me. This is my protection I offer. This is all the things that I do. This is the reason why you need me around. Yeah. I'm like, nah, man, get away. And it wasn't until I finally sent this this part of my body immense amounts of love respect appreciation Mm -hmm. crying thank you for the person that you've that you were the person that you've that you've made me i embrace the good that you have um but i cannot let you drive the bus anymore Mm -hmm. and it was that moment of appreciation showing the appreciation showing the love of this person for getting me to that point that 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 personality finally started to release and said okay i trust now that this new personality is going to take the reins and do us proud Mm. but i'm still here if you need me yeah and that's the thing it's like corporate adam has a lot of cool skills man corporate adam did a lot of good things he built some teams Mm -hmm. you know he, he he taught me how to value humanity and not just see him as a business dollar sign, mm. right? You see him as a person, as a, as, a, as a human being. And as you recognize a person as a being and not a dollar sign, that, that connection that you make with that person creates this bond that, that you will do anything for them as they will do anything for you. Yeah. Whether you're their boss, you're their coworker, whatever you want to call it. But you've created a bond now. And that bond can't be broken because you see their humanity and they see you see their humanity. Mm-hmm. You're not just their fucking boss, right? Yeah. And so like those little lessons of just being an actual human being and not being the overarching boss or the, you know, whatever you want to call it. It, it taught me so much about humans. And so I can't lose that. I can't let that go. Yeah. You know, that was a big lesson in life that I can carry over to friends, family, raising kids, you know, other coworkers that I might have in the future. So, yeah. you know, those, those parts of our lives, they, they mean, they mean something. Yeah. You know? Why, why throw out the good parts of it? Right. Exactly. And a lot of the language I like to use with this stuff is just being like, what, what's serving me? What's not serving me? Yeah. And being able to be like, at some point, you know, corporate Adam served us, yes. you know, uh, uh, college Teague served him a lot. He, he worked, he worked into midnight. He mm. did as many extra opportunities as he could. He tried to work from a place of, I'm not as talented as everyone else. So I'm going to make sure no one works harder than me. Okay. That's great for that time. And there was a lot of amazing things that came from it Mm -hmm. but kind of like it sounds like you've had for yourself that doesn't serve me now yeah i don't need to be that stressed i don't need to 
need validation from someone saying, Hey, you work the hardest and out of all this, right, <laughs> it's yeah. like, what well, it, it doesn't, it doesn't, I don't need it anymore, but that version of myself did. Yeah. And being able to, again, like you said, love ourselves and be like, I'm going to take all those best parts and it can be in the bus. Mm-hmm. It can ride with us, yep. but something else gets to take the reins is, is important. And I think people get lost in figuring out, well, who's going to drive. <laughs> right. Yes, exactly. Too many, too, what is it? Too many chiefs, not enough Indians. Yeah. Is yeah. The, the term? Yeah. Well, let's, uh, man, I let, I, I want to hear more about, uh, uh, improper wellness. Yeah. Uh, that was, I mean, when, when, when I first heard about that, it made so much sense, but was also confusing to me at the mm. same time. Like mm-hmm. it, it, it's such a beautiful concept. So like what, what spurred, like the spurred this idea for you? Yeah. So, so I've been doing improv for 13 years now. Okay. Um, I, I started in high school and mm-hmm. like a lot of people, I started by learning like, Oh, whose line is it anyways? Oh like, yeah. Okay. Look at, look at that show. That's uh-huh. so fun. I watched it with my family. We enjoyed it. Very funny over the top, all of that. Totally. And, um, I didn't have like an arts background. I didn't have like a desire to be a performer or anything like mm-hmm. that. But I saw the improv class at our high school and I was like, oh, that seems like something I want to do and did it, fell in love with it, just had a passion for it. Mm-hmm. And um, as as you got to experience and anybody that listens to the podcast, uh, my mom is a fucking powerhouse. God, she's a beast. Yeah. <laughs> and, fucking love Brett Parker. Man. Yeah. Brett Parker is on another <laughs> level. So what she did was she saw that I loved this. Okay. And, um, I didn't have any other passions or anything. And she was like, well, you love this. So I researched, uh, a bunch of improv programs that are around Seattle and all that, and we'll drive to it. And there's an audition next week. So Sounds just like your mom. Yes. <laughs> yes, it is. And it's, 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 it's amazing because right. it's why I'm here doing what I do today yeah. because she believed in what I was doing and my dad as well. Yeah. My mom just she'll just take the reins, yeah, right? That's that shit, man. <laughs> oh yeah. But so, um, I ended up doing training at Jet City Improv down okay. in Seattle mm-hmm. and, uh, I ended up loving it there, doing their program. And so I ended up volunteering there for multiple years. And for like a period of two years, I was just there from Thursday to Saturday. Oh wow. Yeah. Just volunteering. And uh-huh. since I volunteered, I got to see the shows for free. Okay. So I basically learned improv through the training and school and all of that, mm. but also by just watching people that were amazing at it. Very cool. And trying to pace together, like, what do I like about this? Why do I not like that? Why does this land? Why does it not okay. land? Um, like self-taught almost. Yeah, and in a lot of ways, self-taught in those aspects and then being able to directly apply it in these classes, in these programs and all of that. Wow. So that's where it, like, kind of started, started for me. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, fast forward through college through all these different things i had i did improv all through college we did i was on a team called the dead parrot society and the reason i went to western washington university in the first place was because they had the best team in the nation at the time oh wow okay yeah and it wasn't like a class or anything it was just a club but yeah that's dope yeah it was it was amazing it's like and again, it was something my mom found, you know, so it was just like, oh, they're the best team in the nation. I was like, how is there a best team in the nation for improv? Right, yeah. <laughs> it's not what you think about. Uh-huh. Um, but uh, so we, I, I wanted to go to Western purely for that. I was like, I'm going to get a degree in improv and whatever the degree is, 
is whatever it is, okay. right? Uh-huh. Um, but I found theater there and I worked on acting and playwriting and found a balance between those two things. Okay. But I got to be an education director while I was there. I got mm. to be an artistic director while I was doing that. And for four years straight, they had open rehearsals. They didn't have an audition process. They had this thing where you come every Tuesday from 8 to 10 p.m., and we all do improv together, and there's a performing ensemble, but there's just people that go for the fun of it and all that. And so once you get on the team, you get to teach at those. Hmm. So for four years, basically, because I got on probably like three months into my time there, um, I was just teaching. Wow. Yeah, and I never thought that it would be this thing that would grow inside of me, but it did. I loved getting to make people feel safe with improv mm. because people g- generally don't. Yeah, yeah, it's terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's this terrifying art form where the way I like to tell people, it's like it's it's extremely vulnerable because it's the closest that people will get to seeing how you think. If you if wow. you're really embracing it that way, not holding off your impulses, not uh, hesitating, and just being like, "Whatever, I'm right." Yeah, that's a hard thing to do. That is. That's a very confidence building. You got to have a lot of confidence in self, knowledge yeah. of self, to do that stuff. Yeah. Wow, I never put that together. Yeah, and like huh. the the thing that was always interesting through like learning improv and training with it mm-hmm. was. That everybody's image is usually um, whose line is it anyways, right. or is improv comedy or something in that vein, and I love that. I that's what I did for a long time, mm-hmm. but there was a lot of. I felt like through a lot of my acting training, there was a lot of philosophy within improv that's inherent to it that we weren't focusing on Mm. we were so focused it it became a scary art form because there was a barometer of success if they laugh it went well right if they didn't laugh it didn't go well okay and so that's the pressure that people come into with the art form most of the time Mm. of like all right uh people at work say i'm real funny and wacky and now i gotta prove that here and i'm gonna do that and then already your body's tensing up right already your mind is racing you didn't hear what somebody else just said it's yeah you're trying to flush out your idea that you're working towards exactly and it becomes a restrictive practice Mm. um unless you do something like i did which was just like whatever i'm gonna brute force my way for years and I don't want people to have to do that, yeah. you know? I, and so getting to teach for those years, I got to learn that a lot of the feedback I would get as an instructor was, hey, I love being in your room because you make it feel safe. Hey, you make it feel safe. Hey, you make it feel safe. Mm. And that, I think, planted the seed for like improv for wellness for me of okay. like, how do you make it something that's easy that anybody wants to do and actually it's the easiest thing to do in the world still can be scary still can be nerve-wracking because you're building a muscle you haven't worked but when you get to the higher ends of it when you've put some time into it let's get it away from uh the pressure and strain because even in my improv community i found that a lot of performers that were doing the thing that were performing at theaters that were making things happen they still had a hard time dropping in 
Okay. At least from, you know, that that's purely me putting that on them, right? I don't know for sure. But I had a hard time connecting with a lot of people to do kind of like with the therapist, right? How was your day? It was great. And then it stops there, but right. they're an improviser. Right. Yeah. Right? <laughs> yeah. like, where am I going from here, man? <laughs> right, right, right. So fast forward to going to, uh, I went to a graduate program for a year. I ended up leaving because it just, it, it wasn't the right fit for me. Okay. But I was doing some improv out there. I had a guy that um, I was really close friends with. Um, who was a year above me in the program and he was teaching the improv class and he he knew my background he came to me like hey you know way more than me <laughs> like <laughs> do you just want to come in and play with me and just do this Hell yeah. and I did and we got to play there and then I had classmates in my cohort that were like hey we know you do improv like would you teach me I had somebody ask me to do one-on-one -on -one classes which I had never done before and right. did that with her and then uh, did stuff over the summer and then I knew I was coming home and I was like I don't work well in the traditional nine to five. Right. Um, I want to find something that lets me focus on what I care about, want to do art and I want to teach this kind of stuff. Mm. And I think that's, that's where the synthesis of like improv for wellness came from of giving this art form in a way that will inherently make you a better performer that will always go towards that route. Right. But is more focused and based in Let's learn to love ourselves more. Let's learn to care about who we are. Let's learn to trust our impulses and learn what does that actually mean wow. so that we can utilize that for everything and find these little openings throughout our life to be like, hey, you had that impulse to be like, man, I want to take that class or man, I want to, I want to walk more, mm. you know, and mm -hmm. trust that whether you like it or not doesn't matter Let's not judge the impulse. Let's just try it a little bit and see what it has to teach us from there. Wow. Yeah. God, good for you, man. Thank that's you. beautiful. And so, okay, so that's a beautiful. That, that was a lot of stuff. <laughs> I, whew, man, I'm just ingesting all that. That was gorgeous, man. I, you know, one of my biggest passions right now is wellness, you know, mm. human wellness, uh, planetary wellness, you know. Um, and, you know, I always love the, uh, the term save the planet. Like yeah. The planet's fine. Right. The planet's not going anywhere. We're the ones that need saving. Yes. Save humanity. Um, You're the first person I've heard actually say that, but I completely agree yeah. with that. Like, we're the ones that are going to die. Yeah. Yeah. Earth's going to be fine. Yeah. It'll go through its rotation. It'll be fine. But, you know, but how, how can we help humanity, mm -hmm. right? That energetic healing, we find ways to get into our bodies, whether it's through some physical activity, um, like running, yoga, jog, you know, lifting weights, all that stuff. But in, in, so, but improv was one of the things that like, I'd never even crossed my mind as a mm. way to get inside your body. Yeah. And, and, you know, and so the, once you planted that seed of doing what you do, and then I found you through your mom, that started a whole new noodling for me, mm. you know, and just whole nother way to look at how to, how to embrace your authentic humanity mm -hmm. through an abstract form like improv, yeah. because the confidence that you need to be able to improv your life is so is so deep. It's like a jazz musician, right? Improv yes. jazz, right? Yes. You you can listen to like like an old John Coltrane album where he's doing improv jazz and it sounds like a literal like a train wreck, right? <laughs> it, like the drums don't match up, the saxophone doesn't match up, the bass doesn't match up the guitar, but it's all beautiful in its own way mm -hmm. and it's and it's making music and obviously people are buying it because it's on vinyl somewhere, right? Yeah. But 
you know, as chaotic as that sounds, you have to be so confident and structured and understanding of the talents that you hold Mm -hmm. to be able to play with that knowledge so freely. Mm -hmm. And that's, I think what finally connected the dots between, uh, improv and the wellness that you're doing was when I was listening to jazz and I'm like, Oh my God, this makes so much sense now because Mm. the, the confidence you have to hold as a human to be able to have that real time in person in front of an audience acting with yeah. no script yeah. just going off of what somebody just fed you man there's a confidence that you that's a, that's a hard confidence to find you know and when you have that knowledge yourself and that confidence that, that what what else can that breed yeah you know and there's there's and what i think is beautiful about that stuff is that even with like coltrane right no matter what happens the beauty of something like that is when you hear it you know it's him So it's like, it doesn't have to be good anymore because it's this pure expression of somebody that took the time to learn this thing that mattered to them Mm. and put it out into the world, hopefully for just the sake that they wanted to express themselves through this medium. Yeah. Because what I've found a lot in improv and just, you know, theater and all that in general is that people have kind of got detached from what the basis of art is and that's just expression Hmm. it's expression and it's for the expressor first and i think that we have such selfless hearts to be like i want to make the audience feel this i want to uh create this opportunity for my students i want to all these things Mm -hmm. when the real first thing is there was something inside of you that you needed to speak there is something there first. Mm. All of that comes after that. And if we connect with that, we can speak more to our our wisdom, to our gnosis, right? Yeah. And give what only we can give. But a lot of the times we're focused on giving what somebody else has already given, but in our words, which has merit, but I think there's something deeper we can have. And it's just like, wow. it can, it can, it can be tricky and Mm -hmm. not to poo-poo anything that anyone's doing, but I think that there's just more opportunities to step in and not have it have to be like, look at those confident improvers up there that are doing the thing. It's just like, oh, I could do that too. And they wanted to share something through improv comedy or improvised plays, improvised musicals, all of that stuff. Um, Because improv can be in anything, just so happens that you can do it as a performance style thing too. Right. Yeah. So what does so what does improv for wellness look like? So let's say I contacted you and was wanted to come on as a client, or you know, so what what does that look like? Is it group sessions, individualized? Like what are you? It can it can vary, right? So I'll most of the time I'll just work with anybody that wants to work with me, right? So let's you want to do solo one on one work? Awesome, I've got to do that with somebody in the past, and we really focused on like. How can we find more space for you in your own life? Because Mm -hmm. they were really busy. They had a lot of stuff that they were giving to other people, but they needed that space for themselves back. So let's figure that out. I've done uh, schools and high schools and colleges and stuff like that where sometimes it's performance-based. So let's focus a little more on how can you trust yourself wholeheartedly in whatever performance you do and not worry about impressing your director or impressing everybody in the ensemble, the audience. Right. Um, 
or the other end of like, you know, beginning improvisers and things like that and trying to give it in a way of, hey, like we're going to do some improv games and activities and such. And the teacher said we should have a performance at the end. So we'll do that. But let's make sure we give you lessons that are going to be so much more useful to you if you never come back to it after this class is gotcha. done. Um, but a lot of the times, so it'll be groups, all of that kind of stuff. But what it tends to look like for me, particularly in the last year doing everything virtual, was just focusing in on taking some of these traditional improv exercises and making them either, taking the performance element out of them. Let's play a game like Yes And, where all you do is someone says something that's, they just say something, right? There's a tree. Next person in line says, yes, there's a tree. Repeat and affirm what the last person said. Then add the word and and add something to it. Okay. There's a tree. Yes, there's a tree. And there's an apple in the tree. Yes, there's an apple in a tree. And it's on fire, you know? Okay. And so that's just like the traditional baseline uh, foundation of improv. What I was interested in is like we always do that game and we do it to like make people feel the pressure to make people laugh or to tell an interesting story or something. Mm -hmm. So I was like, okay, uh, we're going to play that exact same thing, but we're going to play it by ourselves. And especially in the virtual setting, just mute your mic, play by yourself. Here's the only stipulation. You can only say things that are true. You can only say things that are true. Okay. So uh, I, I, I am on a podcast. Yes, I'm on a podcast and I'm talking to somebody. Yes, I'm talking to somebody and there's ornaments around the room. Yes, there are You keep going, keep going, keep going. Okay. And then from there, we can start to play with this idea of that your truth is worth exploring. So we start with that kind of stuff. But then the next layer is, cool, we started from that truth. Let's start from the truth of how do you feel right now? Okay. I feel a little jittery. Yes, I feel a little jittery and I can see outside. Yes, I can see out and just expand that further and further okay. so that you're exploring your internal state and you're learning you could be ap you could be having a panic attack hmm. and other things are still true. Hmm. You're not a less person for feeling sad. You're not you're not a better person for being the happy person in the room. Right, yeah. It's all influences it's all inspiration and what we're asking ourselves is to be curious about ourselves in that moment mm -hmm. so little it it was hard early on for me to gain confidence with my work because i was like i'm not changing a whole lot of stuff like, <laughs> i'm not i'm not doing a whole lot of stuff but it's those little those little um adjustments mm -hmm that make the difference, which I know that you know and stuff that my mom knows of like those little adjustments in yoga and practices, even just the breath, right? Mm -hmm. They change everything about the practice. Right. So if we can step into that intentionality, we can have a whole new healing process through it. Or if there's nothing that comes from it, you gave yourself time to be curious about yourself for a little bit. There you go. Right? There you go. Yeah. I, uh, one of my favorite things to, to tell people right now that kind of catches people off guard is that you are your own healer. Yeah. You are it. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm holding space for the healing to happen as a Reiki practitioner, mm. sound healing practitioner, but I'm not like, I'm not doing any kind of magic spells or anything that your body isn't doing. You're mm -hmm. doing all the work. I'm just giving you some modalities to work with. And so I think 
you know, it's kind of hard for people to understand that because I'm physically still doing something to them, whether right. playing bowls or have my hands on them in some kind of way. But with this improv for wellness, like you are really teaching them that they are their, their source. Yeah. They are that source of light, that source of happiness, that source of sadness. It's all within them. Mm-hmm. And I, I really appreciate like, you know, taking it external first, you know, what do you see around you? Right. Let's get that muscle start working. Right. Yeah. Let's get some reps in there. And then all of a sudden we start turning it internal. Now that we have the understanding of like, say what you see, get, get used to the flow state of that. Now we turn it internally. It's mm-hmm. like, Oh shit. Like there's more honesty that comes from that internalness after you started to get that understanding of what that external feels like. Yeah. And you know, when we can start to draw that in and really create that confidence of self, that, that knowing that, We've gotten shit that we've put ourselves through, whether we've done it to ourselves or we've been a victim of something, right? Mm-hmm. We've all got shit we're trying to unpack. But knowing that it's within you to do that and finding the different modalities to help you find that mm-hmm. and knowing that now there's a there's a there's more modalities outside of just body work and massage and yoga and all these things that we know. Now there's new new modalities like improv, mm-hmm. you know, like how do you, how do you heal yourself from this amazing free form of art? Yeah. Let's figure it out because there's a way to do it. Yeah. Thank you for figuring it out, man. <laughs> Thank you. God damn, Thank that's you. so beautiful. And, and you know, it's, 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 it's a village, right? Everybody's learning from each other. And I think it just so, the funny thing sometimes can be, and I'm curious if you feel this way too, Sometimes you're not doing anything new. You're just doing something that no one knew about. Yes. It's like, okay, I happen to read these these books. I happen to have actor training. And some a little bit of a side note, like one of the things I found in the theater world, like doing acting training, like Suzuki, Alexander Technique, uh, Linklater Voice Work, all of these different things, was that everybody in the class would always go like, man, this, this teaches you to be a better human. This teaches you to be a better human. And like, can't believe everybody doesn't have it. And I would always be like, yeah, you're right. And then no one would do anything with that idea. Uh And so it was like, oh, well, not everybody's going to want a script in their hand and do that stuff, but improv, you don't need anything. So maybe that's a place to put that in. But with everything that we do with uh, the Reiki, with the improv, with yoga, with everything. I think that you're right that we're our own healers and all that an instructor doing is inviting you to think the way that we think or to think the ways that are to explore the stuff that maybe helped us or that mm-hmm. we were curious about and be like, we'll put the invitation out there. Whatever you do with it is yours because I like doing it anyways. Right. Yeah. 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 You know, it's, it's almost like the, um, that concept of gnosis we keep talking about coupled with actualization moments, right? Because Mm. you have this, you know, that, that gnosis idea where we start to gather information through our lives, right? And then we find that weird intrinsic way that all that information fits together, Mm. right? And that, that's so unique to the human being, because even though like, let's say, we're the same age, we went to the same school, we sat through the same classes, you're still going to ingest that information different than I yeah. am. You're going to tie yourselves to different concepts in history and math and science, all that shit that differently than I am. And then you, you're you also coupling that with all this beautiful, passionate energy that you're developing, right? Mm-hmm. And then then we find those weird ways that all of that meshes together. Yeah. And through that, we have those actualization moments, that actualization, I, you know, I, I, the, the term self-actualize, you know, there's that term. And I, and I, 
know that it's a term and I know there's no ill content meant by self-actualization, sure. but the the self-actualizing holds it to the self, right? Mm-hmm. I like actualization moments because when the self actualizes, that's an actualization moment for everybody that is around mm. that person as well. So it's not just them actualizing, that actualization moment goes out to everybody. Yeah. You know, and that is a beautiful process because when you can see somebody go through that actualization moment, that is so inspiring to know that that weird information that that person holds somehow made it to this point to where now they're helping humanity in a way. Mm-hmm. They're also, they're, they're, they're able to stabilize their income. They're able to survive off of whatever thing that they're making. It's like everything meshes up in this beautiful pattern yeah. to make you know, gnosis, right? That knowing with a G that you're doing exactly what you need to do. Yeah. You don't need to explain it to people. Those people will find you because you are doing something very authentic and passionate. It's just, it all just falls into place. Yeah, it, it, it does fall into place. And it's a, I don't know, it's just a really special thing to be able to step into. And, you know, I know we talk about this downstairs a little bit, but hopefully with everything that's happened, there's been so much pain. There's been so much suffering that's occurred over the last couple of years and mm-hmm. all of that. And hopefully there is also things that we can take that either come from, I see things a new way, or I'm tired of life being that way. Mm-hmm. And being able to trust your impulse of something's telling you, this doesn't sit right with me, or this thing really sits right with me, and stepping towards that so that, like I said earlier, that spectrum of human knowledge can kind of expand because only you have that one thing, that one connection, that one understanding that, even if you say the same words, no one else is going to say it like you. Right. And it'll touch somebody that thinks like you mm-hmm. and be able to affect everybody. I, I, I love that idea of actualization so that it is one person affects the world. Whether you like it or not, right. you do. Yes. <laughs> yes, you do. There is that ripple effect. Yeah. You know, there's that, uh, I think Gandhi used to say back uh, when he was still alive during the British rule. You know, you know, people would, the critics of Gandhi would go to Gandhi and be like, what are you doing? You're not doing anything. You're, you're just standing there being peaceful. Like, what is that going to accomplish? And Gandhi said, you know, basically paraphrasing, but you know, if I can, I can only control my peace, right? Mm-hmm. And if I dedicate myself to being the most peaceful person that I can around anybody that I encounter, no matter what they throw at me, then I want to see what that ripple effect feels like mm-hmm. because all I can control is me. And then people can be influenced by that, right? And that influence, you can't control the influence. You can just control what you're doing. And that influence sometimes is a bigger, bigger spread than we could ever even imagine. Mm-hmm. You know, the amount of peace that somebody holds, the amount of stoicism that somebody holds, the amount of vulnerability, right? Seeing somebody openly cry, yeah. right? That, for me, that makes me just want to cry thinking about it because of how many times I didn't cry when I needed to, Yeah, right? You know, so we have those people that that hold that space, that, that are those experiences examples for us, you know, um, even in, um, uh, you know, um, I love this guy, his name's Simon, Simon Sinek. Okay. Um, he's a, he's a, uh, an author. He's a big, uh, does a lot of uh, speeches on, uh, business management, team management, mm. actualization, stuff like that. And there's a thing that he says, um, if you go into a bookstore, any bookstore, there's tons of books and tons of sections on self-improvement, right? Self-improve. How do you improve the self? Which is great, right? Mm-hmm. You start with the self. Yeah. But how do we improve the group? 
Mm. Where's the group mentality improvement, right? Mm. Where's the group actualization moments, right? Yeah. And that's, you know, when I started hearing him talk, that's when I started to shift my thinking about that self-actualization to the, to the actualization just in general, yeah. <clears throat> because the self holds it to the self. But when you just take that word away and let it be an actualization moment, that ripple effect almost gives permission for others to actualize too. Mm-hmm. And then you have that group actualization moment of that intrinsic overarching knowledge of everybody finding their beautiful gifts and finding the way that they match together yeah you know and so i i just love that whole like group mentality yeah you know? and so improv right that's you know a lot of it is individual you know sometimes but yeah. it, it is that you know you don't know what that other person's gonna say mm-hmm. and you're working with a group what are they gonna say oh shit they just said something i have no idea what that word is but right. we're gonna run with it and play right exactly Let's do it. and and you know, like you're saying, basically taking the limits off of how we think. Mm. We we are so surprised by how many limits there actually are that we place on our heads. Mm. One of the one of the things I would like to do with groups when we were in person was we'd play red light, green light, okay. and we would I would go like when I say green light you move, when I say red light you stop, and um, you just get to the get to the other side. So we play red light, green light, red light, green light, da 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 da, and people would get get out right. And the thing that always happens for everybody is red light. They move. Ah, dang it! They just ah, and it's like still fun, yeah. right? There's joy. They go back to the beginning and they keep going. And what I would do is we play the game, and then we do a couple rounds. And what would happen is no one would replace me out of it. I'd be like, okay, everybody to the other side, everybody to the other side, everybody to the other side, and I would then invite this limit to be taken off of like, hey, do you notice that when somebody gets out in the group, they get upset, they get frustrated, they get a little bit like, ah, I messed up. Do you need that? Does that serve you? Because all that happens is that you keep playing the game. Mm. You just keep playing the game. You don't replace me. There's no one, nothing shifts. So can we invite that anytime someone gets out to be this big, exciting moment, this unexpected thing that occurred. And so then we'd play in a way of like, all right, when somebody gets out, everybody cheers. Everybody cheers with everything that they have. And it just changes the game. Now people want to mess up. Now people want to get out. But it's just a little limit that we got when we were a kid that when you get out in this game, it's not what's supposed to happen. So you have to you have to kind of be a little upset about it uh-huh. because you're playing and it's just, it's that times a million yeah. for so many aspects of our life of like, Oh, I'm allowed to think this way, which I think a lot of, you know, reading, experiencing classes and instructors and all of that stuff starts to basically do that. Hey, right. you can think this way. Yeah. yeah. And it takes it from, uh, being a finite game of like, Oh, you've, you've, broken the rules or you've, you know, whatever you're done, you're out, mm-hmm. go sit over there and be somber Yeah, to this infinite game of like, everybody wins, even though you are technically out, everybody just cheered you on. You're going to go stand on the sidelines and cheer on everybody else now. And you're, you're continuing the game on, Yeah, you know? And so I think in mentality in general, like I love game theory mentality of mm. like right now we're in a finite game in, in the world where, yeah. you know, in, in theory, like if I win, then somebody else has to lose. Right. Mm-hmm. Cause nobody, like if I, let's take Jeff Bezos, for example, he has three yeah. and a half trillion dollars. So that's holding a lot of money that not a lot of people can have. Yeah. Right? So he's winning. Yeah. You won. But a lot of people are losing because they don't have access 
access to that money to gain that money in some kind of way, right? Mm -hmm. But when we change the rules of the game, like we, like, yes, success is a definition in the dictionary, right? But Mm -hmm. if you apply success to the individual, it's very individualistically defined. Happiness, success, sorrow, those are all defined by the human being. So if we take that moment to to take uh, and understand what success is to us, and we can define that in a universally way to, to branch out so that everybody has a variation of success, mm-hmm. then we continue the game on, right? It's an ongoing game. It's infinite. It's not, I win because you lose, yeah. right? How do we all win? How do we all take a little bit of the pie forward so that we can all be happy in this newfound way that we've discovered happiness? Mm-hmm. Maybe it's not monetized happiness. You know, maybe it's this sense of being of happiness, yeah. you know, but we're in charge of the rules. We're in charge of the game. We're choosing to play this finite game because that's what's been presented to us. Yeah. But the more that we start to change that mentality and find the ways to make it infinite, cheer the losers, quote unquote, losers on mm-hmm. for playing the best that they could. And then now they can they can enjoy the entertainment of the game in general instead of having to play in it. So they're still they're still engaging in their own way. They're encouraging their teammates and maybe even the counter teammates. Yeah. Dude beautiful process yeah keep that shit moving thank you it, it's, yeah. it, it is just about continuing the game and just finding the ways to enjoy ourselves to find our inner peace right like i love that mm-hmm. with what you said about gandhi where can you and this is what i try to invite in my practice is like can you focus on caring about yourself because it's going to affect everyone around you And especially with like performance-based improv, the idea that there's no such thing as a star, there there shouldn't be. If you Mm. see somebody that stands out in improv, chances are that they're kind of the selfish one. It's like they're the ones that are wanting the attention. They're the ones that are wanting to make everybody laugh. But if you pay attention and see that everyone's trying to make everyone else shine and at the same time saying... I'm going to follow you and I will also allow myself to be followed. Then you marry that beautiful thing of like everybody shines, everybody's doing a great job Mm -hmm. and there will definitely be people that take attention at times and that do become the stars because the uh, story or whatever is being told on stage dictates somebody has to, but you can tell that everyone's setting each other up Mm. and that's like, that's like magic to watch when you're just like, oh my gosh, like that big, that big laugh in the audience occurred. That's only because the other person there said this thing five seconds ago because they knew the other person would run on and play with that idea. Totally. And, it, yeah. needed that, it needed the setup. Yeah. yeah, totally. Yeah. You know, and I, I uh, you know, there's, um, uh, oh gosh, I just lost my train of thought. It'll come back to me in a minute. It happens. But yeah, it does. It does. Yeah. <laughs> and improv. It probably happens all the damn time. Right. You're like, oh shit, where is it at? Yeah. Come on back. Uh, <laughs> okay, whatever. This is this is what's happening now. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> this is real life now. Yeah. Well, uh, so we uh, so you mentioned something about um, pandemic and yeah. just a little while ago and we had a good discussion downstairs. Um, was this uh, so improv uh, for wellness or any of the improv work you're doing now, was this a product of the um, Uh, the pandemic kind of slowdown or that, that kind of reshifting of focus that a lot of people had during that time. Yeah. It's, it's kind of, it's kind of both because I was doing it before the pandemic. I Mm. I came, I came back to Washington in 2018 um, for my graduate program. And I 
started doing the teaching there and I was going around to different places getting to teach stuff and I was implementing some of the ideas that I hold now, right? I was still fleshing them out, still mm -hmm. playing, asking like my old college to be like, can I host a free workshop? Just want to play with ideas and would just see what would work and what didn't. And there was a lot of stuff that I loved that I was doing pre-pandemic mm -hmm. um, in person and just like getting people to play, getting people to feel safe, trying still kind of more performance based because I felt this pressure to be like, well, theater programs and students are always looking for some sort of performance aspect to improv um, or even just like corporate workshops or something like okay, that. Yeah. There, they, there's always this sense of like, yeah, 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 yeah. But can we can we play like let's play bus stop? Let's let's play uh, story story die. Like, can we get that in there? Yeah. And I, I'm I'm exaggerating, but it's it's becomes more about the experience of doing. Uh, playtime than taking something that you'll have afterwards. Gotcha. Um, and what I found during the pandemic is that I got to do everything virtually. And at first I was like, I'm not going to teach any of this shit virtually. Like yeah. there's, there's no way, but I had some, uh, I have, uh, some friends that run a theater company called filament collab that would do workshops every month. They were free workshops and I taught for them in the past and they wanted me to do a virtual version of my stuff. So I, I adapted my workshop to be way more focused on the the healing, wellness, self-development part because I was like, we can't do performance stuff or we can't do it in a way that I'm interested in. Right, okay. Um, and so it became more things of like um, adapting some, again, uh, I, I was really influenced by Julia Cameron's The Artist's Way mm -hmm. and she has the practice of morning pages where you do right when you wake up or relatively soon uh do three pages of stream of consciousness writing okay just, just unedited just unedited just, just do it just go out there and give yourself that space hmm, cool. um and i've been doing that for a year and a half now oh wow yeah and it's it's a life-changing practice for me and what i wanted to do was like i'm not gonna have people write for 30 minutes or something like that but what if we start the class by first doing introductions and such in a way that's like, hey, name, pronouns, all this stuff, mm -hmm. and um, asking a question that sets us up for the day that isn't just like, you know, be extremely vulnerable for us. Um, yeah. it, it would be something of like, uh, say your name, your pronouns, and the question that I have for you, if you choose to answer it, is um, when, when's when's the last time uh when's the last time your emotions served you mm. just something of like you're not asked that question so yeah it gives you time to think and try to build some air of like hey if this takes the next two hours then it takes the next two hours mm. don't not share what you want to share um so we'd start with something like that and then we'd go into the morning pages kind of exercise that I adapt to be like 15 minutes of writing okay. and we'll go five minutes on uh, some guided questions that you can start with, go wherever you want with it. So I'd ask a question of like, um, what does your ideal life look like? What is keeping you from it? What's encouraging you towards it? Okay. And so let's just explore that for the next 15 minutes. Yeah. And then 
you know, we'll, we'll talk and we'll share and we'll learn from each other for as long as we want to talk about it and then go into the yes and exercise and then go into other stuff that only just builds on all of that foundation. Mm. Um, so really trying to, that, to your original question, that's when I started realizing like I need to double down on what I was doing rather than try to focus on making people happy by focusing on performance and making sure they get the skills that people expect from improv. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, sometimes those forced pivots like make us explore things that we may have been apprehensive for in the Mm -hmm. beginning, or maybe even didn't even know that that was a route that we wanted to take until like, okay, shit, I got no choice. I'm bored as hell. Let's figure this out. Yeah. And that forced, um, development of ideas sometimes, you know, like for myself, I, you know, I'm, I'm a list keeper. I've got Google mm. keep list on my phone that I've had. God, I've, I've got so many lists on that phone and I've got, a, I had a list <laughs> on there that was, uh, things I don't have time for. Mm. And I've been just shoveling stuff on that list for years, probably mm. 10 years now. And, uh, and, uh, so yeah, when, when, when the pandemic hit for us, you know, that was, once I found out that, you know, I, I realized I was going to be safe. My family was going to be safe. We were mm. taking the precautions, you know, all the things that we needed to do to, to, to have our financial and our, our, our safety in there. Yeah. That now gave me that time to explore those things and to sometimes you step into that discomfort that I might have because I don't quote unquote have the skills. Um, I haven't learned the skill set yet or have the systems in place. Mm-hmm. But now, you know, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm, I'm, I'm a pretty driven person, you know, like I, I, I love my downtime. Don't get me wrong, but like, I can't live there. Mm. You know, I got to earn that downtime in my own head, you know, (laughs) even though I know I don't need to earn it, but, um, but you know, that, that list isn't going, wasn't going away. And it just kept saying, Hey, you know, where your list is, you Mm. know what you need to do. And so giving that opportunity to dial in and have some of those forced pivots of figure this out, Mm. you're scared of this. Why are you scared of it? Okay, let's figure that out. Where is that fear coming from? Mm. Dial that down. Okay, cool. <laughs> now that's just now you're you're afraid of your own ignorance. Mm. So learn, learn about it, and get in there and do it. Now I got a YouTube channel. I got two podcasts. Got all these things yeah. that I used to be afraid of. Whether I didn't have the time, the afraid of not the, not having the time, or afraid of the knowledge base. Now there's so much confidence that's built in my own person from that exploration of self and of those things that I was at one point scared of. Now, yeah, I still have fears. I'm yeah. still scared. Like, you know, have, sitting down to this conversation today, mm-hmm. not going to lie, I was a little nervous, yeah. never met you before. But I think having, you know, having nerves when you step into something shows that you care about the outcome of that thing, yep. right? And if you always just walk in brushing, sh- you know, shit off your shoulders, like got this, get out of my way, about the interview down with Teague, mm-hmm. blah, 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 good stuff. You know, yeah. it's like, no, you don't care about that, you know? own up to that yeah embrace those emotions embrace those nerves right it's like when i in in our yoga classes right now one of my biggest things for people because a lot of folks want to get back to the practice they once had Mm. and not you know not not taking the steps to build that practice back you know one of my biggest points of reference right now for people is listen to your fatigue right listen Mm. to what your fatigue is telling you right sometimes it tells you you got this you can keep going sometimes it's like dude get in a child's pose and breathe Mm -hmm. leave the pose alone right but listen to what that impulse is telling you listen to what that thing is telling you listen to your body because your body is smart as shit yeah we need to pay attention to that stuff you know so listen to what it's telling you yeah listen to what it's telling you and and trust it and you know 
it so much of the time we we we've adopted as a culture like this idea the fake it till you make it mm-hmm. or there's a right mood and feeling to do things and all of that but it's there there isn't there's yeah. there's you yeah. and the body is so smart and gives you so much information and sometimes we just don't know how to interpret it mm-hmm. you know like one one of the workshops i like to give was called the language of emotions mm-hmm. and it would just be focused on like hey how does anger serve us how does fear serve us how do these things teach us something can can when we feel anxious can it be a sign of something to learn and something to be like hey I feel anxious right now and it's because I care about this thing or it's because this actually doesn't feel in line with my truth. Mm-hmm. Let's take some time to reflect on that and then, okay, it is just nerves. I do care about it. Or, oh no, that was right. Like, I don't have to hate myself for being sad, for being angry because it's just the body going like, hey, this is what is going on and I don't have words. Mm-hmm. So I will give you this so that you can take the time to reflect and think about it. But then we live in a culture that's like, ignore it, ignore it, ignore it. Exactly. <laughs> do, do whatever you can to get rid of it when it'll, it'll go, not all the time, right? There's clinical depression. There's all sorts of other things that right. are going on. And there is a, a chance that at least you'll learn something, even if it's like, oh, I have a chemical imbalance in my brain. That's mm-hmm. why this is occurring right now. Right. Yep, mm-hmm. definitely. I think uh, there was a Ram Das talk I listened to a while back that um, that he talked about when he, you know, started to, when he stepped into his Ram Dasness, you mm. know, from Richard Albert to Ram Das, he uh, he he felt an obligation to fully uh, not embrace but um, emulate that idea of him being a holy man, right? Mm. And so he basically put aside all of his emotions except for joy and happiness, right? Mm. He just, every time people saw him, he was like, I'm Ram Dass. <laughs> joyous. Look at the, the, the aura around me and all this shit, Yeah, you know? But then he would go off stage and just be miserable as shit because he couldn't embrace his emotions. He didn't feel he had the authenticity mm. to because he had to play this role. Yeah. And so he found himself starting to become snide and starting to become like very like uh, abrasive to the people that are closest to him that, that should see the authentic Ram Dass, right? Mm. And, uh, and so he, uh, he finally had to come to grips with that and say, I embrace my humanity, my divinity through my humanity, Mm. right? Because we're all humans. We all have emotions. We all have happiness. We have sorrow. We have fear. We have all these weird thoughts in our heads that we don't need to pay attention to all of them, but we don't also need to just push them all away. They serve us a purpose. Yeah. You know, there's a guy named, uh, Rabbi Malachi Finley that, uh, he's a, he's a, uh, Orthodox Jewish man. That's a therapist that, uh, one of his mentalities that he likes to think about is when it comes to, let's say anxiety, for example, mm-hmm. anxiety, we all have anxiety. We all have some form of it, but you know, the person back in tribal days, right? When we've had like 150, 200 people in our tribe, Mm. the person with anxiety, that, that dude was up on the top of the hill looking for people coming up. (laughs) Oh, wow. Yeah. They they notice a a 
twig move, a leaf blow in the wind, they're noticing that shit, right? Mm. And so they're your lookout because they're completely in tune and in touch with everything that's moving, right? Yeah. So that anxiety serves a purpose, right? We just not need to find the purpose it serves instead of just trying to live in joy and happiness. Mm-hmm. It's a great place to stay, but you can't really embrace the full understanding of happiness until you've seen how shitty life can be. Yeah. Right? You experience some of that sorrow. You experience some of that hardness of life. And then you see like a child smile or something, you know, it's like, that is the most beautiful thing I've ever seen because I've just pulled myself out of this treachery, Mm. but I had to see that treachery and had to feel that emotion to really experience and embrace this joy and this beautiful moment over here. Yeah. Let the full depth of these things affect you. There, there's nothing to hide. There's nothing to protect yourself from Mm. with these feelings. And can we, can we let it affect us so that in those moments where we do feel sad, we can say, yes, I feel sad. I feel sad. I'm going to let it affect me. And then next hour, next day, next week, whatever your time frame is, when you're ready to step out and be like, what's the, what, what's the next step for me? We can have had that quote unquote grieving process with that feeling yeah. and then be like, cool, I felt it all. I don't need to, it's not tucked away so that when I'm walking down the street, it's going to come out because I didn't actually deal with it. It's just like I did Uh and it'll still have traces and it'll still affect me. And you know what? I'm still great because of it. You know, it doesn't, doesn't have to go away. Exactly. It, it adds to your greatness because you've Mm -hmm. recognized it. Yeah. You've addressed it. You know, it's not this thing that's sitting there like a, you know, working in restaurants for as long as I have, uh, used to, you know, uh, one of the things that I, I, I love about what you've just said and equating it back to like a real life thing was, mm-hmm. you know, uh, let's take like an, uh, an upset guest, right? A guest that let's say their steak was overcooked, right? Mm-hmm. So they call me over and they're like, hey, I ate it. It was all good. But I just want you to know that mm-hmm. it just wasn't right. You know, so a lot of times like you don't need to really throw a lot of things at a solution to a problem. You just need to address the fact that there is one. Mm. Put attention to the fact that, hey, something something's messed up, Yeah. right? And a lot of times, like with Vipassana meditation, for example, um, in, you, you scan the body and let's say I have a, a point of interest. I try not to label it as pain or suffering or happiness or joy, but I have a point of interest in my left shoulder. Mm. So I bring my thought process mm. to that point of interest and through just giving it the awareness that it deserves, it starts to surface and dissipate. Yeah. Right. Same kind of idea. The guests didn't want anything for free. They just wanted to let me know that things were wrong because they like the restaurant we come to that we have mm-hmm. and they want us to succeed. So, yeah. Hey, just let your cooks know they overcooked a little bit. Just be mindful next time. Right. Yeah. Just an awareness, right? Just Same awareness. with the body. Just bring awareness to it. Yeah. Just, Give it the, the love that it needs. Just awareness. Just, just uh, one of the theater sayings that, um, famous director, and Bogart says, she says, um, the attention you give a thing makes the thing, you know? Uh, and so if, if we give attention to something and we say it's one thing, then yeah, that's what it is. If we say it's good, it's good. If we say it's bad, it's bad. Mm-hmm. It's just whatever we say. And I, I, I think that we take things really personally, you know, again, going back to like the beginning of our conversation of like, we don't all know how to socialize because it's not a muscle that we train it's not something that we're told like hey this is a skill and we're gonna go to school and we're gonna practice talking to each other right (laughs) yeah totally um but to be able to arrive and be like hey steaks overcooked and all that and not take it as like 
why are you telling me? Like, what's like, are you really going to complain to me now? Like, what's the point? Yeah. And just be like, oh, you cared. Oh, you like this. Oh, you did this with love and respect and you didn't want to do anything mean. It's just, we have to have our attention. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, uh, you know, going back to something you just said about, um, you know, like that, that back and forth conversation, let's say it's a, mm-hmm. a, a spirited discussion, if you will. Yeah. You know, not, <laughs> not, not like, you know, opposing sides, but you know, spirited discussion mm-hmm. and it could even be opposing sides. But I think, you know, right now we're at a very precarious time to where we capitalize on people's missteps. Right. Yeah. And I, and I, and I, you know, for lack of better phrasing, and I'm trying to find a better phrase for it, but I always want a worthy opponent, a worthy rival, a worthy yeah. counterpart of, of sorts. Right. And so, um, and I can't remember who I was listening to is it it about a year ago. I was listening to this gentleman talk about this kind of concept and, and he was saying, you know, hold the space for the person and help them flush out their idea. Mm-hmm. You know, when we meet, and this is a pr- proposed idea, right? When we meet proposed ignorance with our aggression, mm-hmm. that makes the, the proposed again, ignorance dig in harder. Mm-hmm. Right. And so let's say like, I'm trying to flush out some idea and I misstep and then you immediately capitalize on that misstep and yep. don't let me finish my thought process. And then that that's that aggression met with my ignorance. Well, goddamn, I'm going to dig into my ignorance. Not even doesn't even matter what I was ignorant about. It's just digging in now, mm-hmm. right? So if, if we can get to a point to where we can find the the space to hold to flush out the full idea. Again, like we talked started the conversation, sometimes we attach ourselves to a point of a conversation and not let the full conversation conversation flourish yeah. like your point that you're tying yourself to could th- that person making that point could counter their own point mm-hmm. through the rest of the talk they're having had you have listened to it right? yeah so i love the idea of okay so i'm gonna hold the space and i'm gonna help my quote unquote worthy rival yeah. flush out the full content of their idea one so that i know exactly what they're trying to say so then i can be fully prepared to retort it mm-hmm. or shit i might fully hear what you say and be like man thank you for actually saying that i've never heard it that way i actually kind of do believe in what you're saying and i agree with it yeah. and now i can shift my way of thinking but given that person that full freedom to to express their idea gives them the confidence of having that idea expressed and a lot of times we don't realize how ignorant we sound until we say it fully, authentically, out loud. And mm-hmm. we're like, fuck, I'm the Nazi. Yeah. Fuck. Absolutely. I had no idea I was a Nazi. Absolutely. Shit. <laughs> this I, whole time. <laughs> I completely agree with that. My, uh, I, have a, I, had a, I have a friend that um, they're going to a graduate program for, I believe, therapy of some sort. And he told me about the concept of, there's a concept of straw manning, right? Where it's uh, uh, in debates and stuff, someone's taking the weakest version of your argument, right? Mm. The the point of aggression that comes in, their misstep. And he talked about that there is another side of that that's called steel manning, where you, um, you basically go, the other person might give the worst version of their argument and you will do the work to make it the best version of their argument. You'll find the ways to be like, oh, so you said it this way, and you kind of mean like, you kind of mean this, right? Uh Am I understanding that correctly? Yeah, I love that. Yeah, make it so your, you know, your worthy rival or whatever Uh uh, is on their best foot. Because why, why argue their worst interpretation? Exactly. You're, it's, no one gets anything. And I think that you're right, people will kind of find 
where they don't feel as confident in what they say because so many people are used to being cut off. Yeah. So many people are used to like I had a professor at Western. His name was Jim Lortz. He was an amazing, amazing man. Um he had this magic power, and there's just actor teachers that have this, where he would just he just sit there. And um he has Parkinson's, so his movement was just, even though he had it, he was so graceful because he only did what he needed to do. Okay. And so he would sit there and he would listen to you and he would give like five or 10 seconds after you said something before he responded. Mm. And my God, as a college student, you will feel so incredibly uncomfortable because you're like, I can't tell if you like what I said like, I can't tell if you agree with what I said, if you don't like it, if you love me, do yeah. you? And it's just like, <laughs> it becomes such a feeling, but it's just because he gave you space to be like, is that what you want to say? Wow. And it's just like, I think that's what I want to say. And me and a lot of my friends, he incredibly kind, but a lot of my friends and I would go like, I can't tell if like, he thinks I'm an idiot yeah. or not. All because he gave you space, and I think we can do that for people. Yeah, yeah. There's a there's a couple of gentlemen I listen to now, um, uh, David uh, Charles Eisenstein and Dave Schmachtenberger, mm. and uh, both are really just really good thinkers, right? They're 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 some of the guys that are you know thinking about all the changes in life that are happening right now with economics, with COVID, with all the things happening, with you know world peace, all these things, mm. all these beautiful questions. These two gentlemen as well as many other people are, are, are tackling these ideas. But, uh, but in listening to them talk, read a bunch of their books and their, their, their knowledge is fantastic. And the way they approach the ideas is beautiful, but listening to them talk, it's, it's so very similar to what you said. Like, I remember the first p- couple podcasts I listened to with, uh, Daniel, sorry, Daniel Schmachtenberg. Mm. And, uh, and I, so the, the podcast host would have this diatribe, ask him a question, and then literally it would be like a five, 10 second pause to where I'd like look at my <laughs> yeah. phone to see if I lost connection or <laughs> right. something. I'm like, no, it's, and then he would say, you would hear him breathe. And then he would go into his answer. Mm. And, and that amount of space was so uncomfortable at first. Cause it's like, oh shit. Like, did he catch him off guard? Is my mm-hmm. phone dead? Like all these things going through my head, but he was, you know, holding the space for, to make sure that the, the, the question was asked, but then giving himself the space to make sure that he answered that question as methodically and as, as, mm. as authentic to what he wanted to say as he could. Yeah. And, and that amount of space, um, it's, it's really given me a lot to think about because so many times in conversation, we think that we just got to hit it right away. Somebody asks a question, we got to answer it. You know, maybe if we don't even know it, the body's, you know, says, um, or like these, these triggers to help our brain catch up to what our mouth wants to say, Yeah. you know, but if we can have that space and hold the space for maybe the other person to take that 10 seconds or that time needed to really formulate and think about the depth of the question asked mm-hmm. if, it, if it's needed, that's, you know, that's, I love that, you know, let's, let's give them that space. Let's give them the time. Let's give them the thought process to not just like not have everything be improv, right? Not everything has to be that thing that we love. Things can be taking time. Things can have the space that's held, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Really giving yourself permission to, (sighs) yes, just, just relax for a second, take it in. And like, Again, that's like what they try to teach in like theater and all that stuff, but something that needs to 
come out to the rest of life like hey you don't you also don't have to know Mm -hmm. you don't you don't have to know you can be wrong and like even with this uh this conversation we're having of like uh the the worthy opponent and all Mm -hmm. that right coming to a place of i'm going into this and i hope someone changes my mind on something i hope there's something new that happens it's like we're ready to not lose Mm -hmm. and that's that's where we already kind of fail if we're talking about something there are things to talk about where it's like this is a non-negotiable man like people deserve these rights this is and i have to convince you of that right but where are the conversations and such where it's like i'm just here to listen just here to learn just here to figure it out and i'll say what i know it's uh what is the phrase Uh, a mentor of mine would always talk about uh, allow yourself to be new um yes yeah yes the beginner's mind yeah and that doesn't mean don't don't claim what you know just don't claim what you don't know right let yourself let yourself be there let yourself learn and you know i think especially you know i i I learned this lesson a lot with my kids um and it has definitely carried over to my 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 life outside of my kids but when you can say with earnest and honesty um that you don't know Mm. but let's find out together you take yourself from maybe this, this with my kids, for example, right? So my kids, you know, just by innately, my kids, one, think I'm an idiot, but also think I know everything, right? <laughs> you know, so there's a dichotomy there. The full tarot deck. <laughs> totally, right? Exactly. You know, so when my kids ask me something, you know, like if I don't know the answer, to tell them I don't know and then to help them find the resource to find that answer, you know, one, I'm knocking myself down to a level that I should be at in the first place, which is at their level. We're all in the same, right? Mm-hmm. But then now we're this person that they've pedestalized, right? I've been on a pedestal. Now I'm down to their level and I'm also helping them find the answer that we can both benefit from, mm-hmm. right? And so mm-hmm. I think a lot of that, we, you know, being a boss, being a former boss of restaurants and things like that, mm-hmm. teams, I would be looked at for answers all the time. And at the beginning, like I would, I was, I'm a good bullshitter too. So I can find an answer that might seem right and then double check to make sure I'm right later. Mm -hmm. But the, the, the power I found was admitting my ignorance and then taking that person along with me to find out what the fuel is to, to correct that ignorance. Yeah. You know, and that's, that's such a beautiful like space to be in to, to, like just just normalize everybody yeah it's a it's an expansive pro- process for sure and i i completely hear you on the bullshitting right yeah. because i have the improv background <laughs> i feel like i let people down if i don't yes and them in some way okay. so it'll just be like yeah i i have no idea what you said but it's going to take way longer for you to explain to me so i'd rather just say yeah have do i listen to have i listened to a lot of willie nelson no but Sure. Like just, just keep talking, (laughs) just keep talking because I want to hear the thing, Uh Uh (laughs) but it doesn't, it doesn't serve. It it doesn't allow the expansiveness to occur in those moments. (laughs) Right. Exactly, man. Yeah. Uh, So what's, uh, what's next for you, man? What's, uh, what's going on with the rest of your, uh, the life, the, the expansiveness of the knowledge that you have and these, these cool like things that you're developing. Yeah. Yeah. It's right now. It's just trying to, trying to step into your own power Mm -hmm. is what I feel right now. Uh, my partner and I, we just took a trip to Chicago and, uh, some stuff that we talked about was just like being able to cross the threshold out of Washington and then cross the threshold back into Washington and be like, what, 
what do we need to step into that's going to be so much easier because we're entering again, right? Mm. And for me, I know with my improv wellness practice, I'm so I'm so passionate about it and so excited to do more of it. And there, I'm at a phase with it where I used to think I got to reach out to this theater, I got to reach out to these people, I got to do all of this so that somebody can let me do my work. Right. And I'm at the point where people trust me, where there's enough of a following to be like, I can offer this without anybody. I can do I can do it on my own platform. Mm-hmm. I can just invite people to workshops and all that. And I got to invite like close friends to some private workshops and stuff. But the obstacle I have is just creating the online platform now right. just to do it there and stop worrying about like yes look for people to work with but i can have bi-monthly drop-in classes and workshops like that's what i'm really working towards right now because i have the material i have the stuff and now it's just a matter of doing a website (laughs) you know i feel you yeah it's like i have i have a website that i did for my uh production company come up productions okay but we just haven't really done uh theater performances at all so there's a whole revamp that needs to go into it and every time you go in with one picture it's like oh that picture sucks yeah. that's right so that won't work with that background so why start anything else why why do the website just look for another client look yep. for yeah, another right. client yeah. <laughs> you can't I'm do still it. productive yeah i'm, I'm still productive things. So that's a that's a long, honest way of going like that's my next step for me is cool. just bringing this work to people directly so that it can just be, hey, just just come play. Let's make it easy. Let's build a community around this stuff as well as kind of prepping for, um, you know, theaters kind of opening back up. So there's mm-hmm. opportunities if I want to submit plays that I've written or audition for shows and stuff, I can. And also this new relationship to theater where it's like I don't really want to do it just to say I'm an actor anymore. Right. I just want to, I want to do the projects I want to do, which means uh, you start acknowledging, oh, there's a lot of shit I didn't want to do. Yeah. And I'm not going to do it anymore. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's a lot of stepping into that kind of power, I suppose. Nice. Yeah. Are there age groups, specific age groups you work with, or do you work with all ages? I'll work with all ages. I, I don't, I have not done like below second grade. I've oh. done, I've done. So still some smaller children though. That's awesome. Yeah. Still wow. some smaller children. And they were honestly, like I, I did some classes for village theater in Everett. Yeah. And okay. yeah. And I, I was doing some middle schoolers and I was doing the third to fifth graders and I was, I was nervous for the third for fifth graders cause it was the first time I ever did it. And it became a, it became such a beautiful moment because they're old enough to understand and young enough to not have preconceived notions. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. So it's yeah. like, I, a lot of advanced stuff I wanted to do with the middle schoolers, uh, actually became very challenging and a lot of the advanced stuff I wanted to do with the younger ones was so much easier because they just got it. It was like, oh, yeah, you yes and, and, like, we'll do an exercise. You walk through the door, find something in the space that you make up uh-huh. and play with everything else that everyone else did, and they would just knock it out of the park. They remembered everything in the space. They Damn. they knew how to yes and each other. I, I hit our showcase. The probably one of the funniest things I've ever experienced was um, doing some scene work and stuff uh, in front of a live audience. Okay. And one of the 
probably like a fourth grade uh fourth grade kid uh just came up for a new scene that had started and he had the most beautiful start to the scene that i've never expected from a kid that age yeah he was just like martha time for the divorce (laughs) (laughs) hell yeah and i was like wow i've never seen a better scene starter and it came from someone i didn't expect it from and you get to see you know this was 2018 that i did this but again getting to see man i'm just limiting these students i am not giving them the opportunity to believe that i think that they could perform professionally right now okay and just be able to give that to them um I remember how I got on all of that, but it's, uh, yeah. That's beautiful, man. That's so cool. I, you know, my, my youngest kid uh, is 12 and she, this is her first year in drama mm. and she's taking a theater class and wants to go into drama club. Oh yeah. And, uh, and she, you know, it, it, I think the epitome of what you just talked about with, you know, she's 12, but she still has that, that free flowing, like just say yes. Right. Mm. She's just so out there and just very imaginative and loves making the whole TikToks with their friends yeah. and all stuff like that. And, and, uh, and so I, I, I just find it, want to find more ways to embrace and, and to help her with that, you mm. know, so, uh, down the road, I might tap you on that. Please. Man, uh, she's, you know, I, I, I'm so just in love with what you're doing, man. Thank it, you. It's, it's such a unique approach to wellness. And, and I think the more unique we can be, the more ways we can like get out of our own way and Mm -hmm. start to see other ways that wellness can be approached. Yeah. You know, and I think if we, if everything can find its way to be a wellness kind of activity, then we'll always live in that space of being conscious, being mindful, being aware of what's going on around us. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I completely agree with that. I, this is some of the thoughts that I have sometimes is like, if you just, if if you want to try something, a new approach to these different things and have it be a wellness version of it, literally just put with wellness after it. And I think it starts to spark that of like running with wellness. Okay. Building with wellness, uh, walking with wellness, mm-hmm. like just the invitation is enough for somebody to spark that kind of creativity and that kind of journey. But I, I think that we're all we're all on it and yeah. we're all making what we can and I appreciate your kind words. It's it's um it's exciting to get to talk with other people that are just like healers in their own ways and it's like it doesn't matter what the details of it are, the foundations are generally the same and you know, mm-hmm. getting to experience my mom do yoga for many years and do a lot of classes with her and stuff, you you really start to see the difference between like performative yoga and like healing yoga and Definitely. yeah and yeah. it's powerful to experience people like yourself people like my mom people all over this uh yoga community that are trying to give themselves to the practice and help people find themselves within it yeah it's it's not an easy thing but it's a beautiful thing oh well thank you so much yeah. man. i appreciate those kind words too Mm-hmm. Uh, well, uh, any parting thoughts, any final, uh, where, where can we find you? Yeah. yeah where can we find uh, you? Uh, lots. You can find me, you know, Facebook, Instagram, just Teague M Parker. Okay. Um, 
you can find my production company come up productions um on instagram on that handle and on facebook as well mm-hmm. uh linkedin i post oh. stuff there now too very nice um, all social media yeah all social gamut. yeah 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 um but i you know i post like little one minute videos of just like um, ways that improper wellness come into your life or just thoughts on, I talk a lot about teaching and stuff. Cause I think everybody can be a teacher yes. and it can be an art form, uh, rather than like a business and a thing that people feel a lot of stress around too. Right. Um, but besides that, um, those, those are the main places to find me. And as I rebuild my website comeupproductions.com would be another place to find me nice and we'll leave uh we'll leave show notes uh, links in the show notes but i have to say before we end uh, listen i love listening to your little blurbs on social mm. media they're very inspiring uh, they're they're you know just enough of a nugget to chew on but you don't have to really it's not like and i know like a minute long doesn't seem like a long time but yeah. you know 30 seconds is a long time now in our culture right mm-hmm. so but those 1 minute long chunks like it's it gives you enough to 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 like marinate on gives you a nice little thing to to think about and it just it's such a beautiful landing spot so i i i don't think you'll stop but i encourage you to keep going because they're mm. definitely landing Thank you. Very beautiful, man. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Yeah. So thank you, dude. Thanks for, thanks for being here. And I'd love to have you back on because one of the things we didn't get to talk to that I'd love to talk to you more about that I'm super passionate about is teaching. Yeah. And just how we can get into people and find that ways to spark that creativity and that interest through the different ways of teaching. Yes. So uh, thanks down the road. We'll, we'll have you back here. Please man. do. I'll, I'll talk with you for hours on that. <laughs> That'd I know, be I honestly, so exciting. <laughs> definitely. I feel like we can just keep this going, you know, yeah. it's like, it's so many topics we can, we can riff on. So, yeah. but for now, dude, thank you so much for being here, brother. Yeah. And, uh, and I hope, I hope you the best with all the journeys and the wellness and the improv that you're doing, all the things that you, that you have yet to even discover you're going to do. Mm. I wish you the best. And if I can be of any help, just please let me know. Thank you. I appreciate it. Right. Thank you so much. Much love, brother. Much love. Thank you so much for spending time with Teague and I. Uh, please uh, like and share the podcast if you like it. Uh, subscribe to the channel and whatever podcast platform you're listening on. Um, send it out to your friends and family. Just find anybody that might uh, be inspired by the conversation. And uh, thank you again for just being a part of the community. Uh, if there's anything that I or T can do, please reach out to us in the show notes. Uh, much love, obeisance, and we'll see you next time.